We are back with another podcast. If you are a mama, listen to my podcast. I just want to let you know that I got my baby weaned and I am allowed to sit in the front seat now without a screaming baby. So he is in the back watching his little show. We're on our way to a derby and we listened. We heard 75 plus of you ask for Alex and I to be on a podcast together to talk about business stuff and things. So Alex put up a question box on his Instagram. We have your questions and we have a few minutes. Let's get started. Okay, the first question we have is, what would be your top three things to look at if you were to buy an established business? I'm going to let Alex take this one. Well, I think the there's a lot of different things that you could look at. But the top three, the number one thing would be, do they have a good product? Because you can be the best marketer in the world. If you have a, a bad product that people don't want to buy or they don't want to buy multiple times you don't have a viable business so the first thing is going to be product the second is going to be profitability and there's a couple things you need to look at from a profitability standpoint is if first of all if they are profitable um that's a good thing and maybe you don't need to change anything uh if they aren't super profitable, you just need to look at the way that they're running the business. Is there something that is wrong with their pricing? Is there something that you could do um, to increase the margin on those products or that service to get the desired margin that you're looking for and become profitable? Um, and is there is there ways that they're operating their business that's making them not profitable? So. Is there costs that you could cut? Um, do they have too many employees? Are they renting a warehouse space that's too large? That Do they have too many extra expenses that aren't needed? So that would be the one of the big things for me is profitability of the business. Um, and there's so much that you can do to uh, create higher margins and uh, create an overall more profitable business. Um, I think the third thing would be what assets are you acquiring when you're buying that business and does it make sense for you? Um, so assets, let's, let's say for like a service type product, um, those assets might be the team that you're getting when you buy that business. Do they have a good management structure in place? Do they have good employees? Do they have a good sales team? Um, those types of things. Uh, if it's a physical products business, how much actual inventory are you buying? Um, inventory plays a big role in it because a lot of people, if you are just buying a business and they are completely out of product, let's say, and you have to start from scratch, um, that's going to be a lot different selling price uh, than a business that has a warehouse full of inventory. Um, the other thing that I would look at when it comes to to that, the, the assets that you're going to be acquiring would be the uh, intellectual property type assets or the owned assets uh, from a marketing standpoint. So uh, social media, do they have a good social media presence on all the different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, the list goes on. The other thing that would be probably the most important would be the email list and the quality of that email list uh, and you can kind of group SMS and push into that as well um, but email for 
for a business like we have, um, email is the number one sales channel uh, aside from people directly going to our website. So uh, email, when you look at all the different sales numbers, where that traffic's coming from, email is number two to direct for us. So that means social and all those other apps and platforms combined are less than what our email does. Email even outperforms um, Google organic and paid search. So email list, uh, not only the size, but the quality. So what you're wanting to look for in the quality of that is how many people open those emails, how many people click those emails and how many people purchase through those emails. Well, that was thorough. And we are only going to take a few questions just to make sure um, that we can answer as many as we possibly can. Here's what we're not going to answer. Um, what we decided, what really is not our passion is um, the questions like, what's a business I can start to make a lot of money? Or, you know, what, how do I? How do you, I save money and yeah, invest it? That's yeah. so broad. It's so broad. And so I think that um, when you invest enough time, and, and this is just from a speaking to a, to a mentor standpoint, because um, one of our mentors, I have his phone number in my phone, but I absolutely will not text him unless I've exhausted all other channels. I'm not going to bother a billionaire with a question that I can find on Google that I can show that I've invested. I've done my due diligence. I've done my homework and I know what I'm talking about and I'm not relying on him to educate me on something really simple. Um, I exhaust all avenues before going to someone like that and asking a question. So like the question like, um, you know, what kind of corporation do I start? Uh, do I do an S corp? Do I do a C corp? Do I, whatever, um, what are articles of incorporation? Like those kind of questions, those are all available on the internet and they have no, um, super, super basic Google search. Legal zoom is your friend. Uh, the, I, probably the number one question we got was how do I start an LLC? That's a Google away and literally filling out information on LegalZoom, paying their fee, and they'll do it for you. So just know that there's an energy exchange when it comes to being profitable in business. And what I mean by that, the hippie definition that I have is um, you reap what you sow. Like you, you get back all that you're willing to pour in. And if you're willing to, to go for a shortcut of just asking someone that that question will be really easy for them to answer... Um, you haven't invested enough. You're not ready for the investment of the business yet. If you say, you know, ask something where I know you've done all of your homework, like that's enough energy put into your business to validate a really detailed response. And I just feel like the first step in business is to put out enough energy, get past the point of um, being really excited about something, over investing all of your time, and then hitting one roadblock and giving up and then trying to backpedal and get re-excited. Business is, um, there's a book I'm reading called The 12-Week Year, and there's a, a what he calls the valley of despair, where you don't see any changes, you don't see anything happening, you don't see the ball rolling up the hill, 
And the people that make it through the valley of despair and keep chugging along get to see these huge benefits later on. But in the beginning, the guy doing absolutely nothing and the guy working his tail off are making about the same progress day to day where it doesn't look like the people from the outside really can't see anything changing. So I just wanted to share that, put a lot of energy into um, what it is that you're doing, what you're going after that way. Um, people will see your investment and pour back into you, reinvest in you. Um, we got a question that is next steps when you hit a marketing slump. I think for us, the next steps, if we ever hit a marketing slump, um, the, the cool thing about us is that we have a lot of people that have their brains thinking about that at all times. So um, typically that's not too big of an issue for us because when you have a lot of different people thinking about it, um, you have ideas coming from all angles and, and typically there's a surplus of ideas where you can't even attack all of them um, that you have on the list. But let's say that it, it's more specific than that and it's a marketing slump specific to email marketing, let's say. What I would typically do is I'm going to go look at a bunch of other companies out there and it might not just be in our industry. It might be a bunch of different industries that I'm into, see what the, the companies that I like are doing, uh, and try to gather some inspiration from those and start creating a plan of attack. So whether it's email or social, figuring out what they're doing, how could we craft that for our business and make it unique, and uh, and basically just come up with a game plan from that. Uh, for something like email, there might be marketing slumps where like, you're just doing the same subject line over and over and over, and it's not really hitting anymore. You're not getting the opens that you saw. Um, so what I typically do, you know, AI is your friend now. Everybody's moving in the direction of AI. ChatGPT is a really good resource um, to help you kind of break through creative blocks when it comes to uh, crafting a unique subject line that's going to get people's attention and make them want to click that email. I think the same could go for social. Um, you could use ChatGPT to help you figure out creative captions or, um, you know, unique long format posts that might have people reading that post more. There's more dwell time on that post. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do to kind of get, get through creative slumps. Um, and it might just be taking a look back at what has worked for you in the past. <laughs> um, that's been a big thing for me uh, with, with social, with... Uh, with email, sometimes we just get in a rhythm and we find ourselves doing things that are too similar over and over and over. And you just take a look back and something that you were doing two or three years ago that was really successful um, could work again. And it's something that you just have, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So um, going back, seeing what worked for you and then trying to create that in a new, unique way um, has always worked really great for us. I, that was the point that I was going to make is go back at the playbook, look at the playbook and see what it is that did really, really well and find a way to just tweak one or two things about that. Um, remember people on social media, if you follow absolutely everything I do, you could probably see how redundant that I am um, because not everybody is seeing everything. You could talk about your product, your business 24 seven and somebody's still going to miss it. And the proof for the put, proof in the pudding, pudding for me is I say I'm going to be at Columbus, Ohio for an autograph signing at 5 p.m. And I give people 60 days and I post about it every day for 60 days. And I will walk up to a venue or receive DMs after that says, 
oh, I wish I would have known you were there. And I like have marketed my tail off to a million people. I've made a YouTube video about it. I've done all the things and still, and that should be really encouraging. It's not frustrating. It should be encouraging that even after, you know, what some would say, oh, you're just driving people nuts talking about your product. You're driving people nuts talking about what you do. Um, just know I'm not going to look, even at my closest friends, I don't look at their story every single day. I'm going to miss something. Um, even, you know, my husband, I miss his story every day. So I'm absolutely going to miss your story every single day. And if it's not consistent, if one day you post and one day you don't, I'm not going to go look at it. I get my little dopamine hit from the people that I follow because I know exactly what I'm going to see. It's like watching the same show when you go to sleep. Like you're going to, you know exactly what you're going to see. It's nothing new. It's not exciting. Um, but it's just what we use social media for. So talking about your product and your business a lot, um, and being redundant, I think people really skip that first really basic step. So we have another question that I think is really important for us to answer, and it is to partner or not partner in a brick and mortar, um, acquisition. Can it work alone for a newbie? Yes. I basically never recommend business partnerships and it's not that they're that bad. But all good things come to an end. I think that if you can do it on your own and you have the finances available to do it on your own, absolutely do it that way. Because at some point, your brain is not going to be on the same wavelength as as that other person. Uh, And this isn't just coming from my own personal experience. This is seeing countless other people go through the same thing where, you know, five, ten years into the business, some people don't even last a year. Um, you just don't see the same vision for the company anymore. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Everybody's unique. So I think if you really want to have control over your business and have that be your creative outlet or your baby, um, being in a partnership is, is not the way to go. Um, especially if it's something smaller, like a, a, a brick and mortar retail store, definitely do that on your own. Um, you know, it, it, Definitely don't get into it with a friend or a family member either um, because business and relationships um, do not mix. Uh, Obviously, Fallon and I are married. We're in this for the long haul. So um, this is much different than getting into a business with uh, a brother or sister or uh, a really good friend. Um, I think those relationships should be kept at that and keep business out of that uh, as much as you can. What are your thoughts on that? Partnerships just never end up okay. I mean, I've been through the ringer with it. Um, I I know that partnerships are just, they're just always a bad idea. In the beginning, and this is again the energy exchange. In the beginning, you're excited because two people, it sounds less scary. It's like keeping your job and starting your business, which a lot of people need to do. You need to keep your, your job until you're able to go full-time into your business. But when you don't make the jump to commit full-time there's a good analogy here and it's the difference between being invested and committed and the old saying is that a chicken is invested in making you some breakfast but the pork the bacon is committed and it's that same kind of um analogy to where two people get into business because it sounds like it's going to be really really fun 
And then when they get in it, when it gets a little tough, one person's going to handle the stress better. One person's going to handle the money better. One person is inevitably going to feel like they're doing a lot more work than everyone else. And I can tell you, I think that that's why it works so well with us having our really dear friends in business, which they tell you not to do. One, I have the utmost respect for my friends. And two, I bear... Um, the financial responsibility if it were you know it's a business partnership it's a business relationship because they work on the brands with us it's not a a money situation the money I think is what what clouds it most of the time because it it brings so much pressure I know that I don't envy my friends workload and I know they don't envy my pressure and um, with that, we both have such a beautiful mutual respect that um, we're able to keep an amazing working relationship. It's a unicorn situation. I don't recommend um, attempting to find people that ride that hard for your brand. I no, think that we are incredibly lucky. There's typically going to be a lot of people that if if they're working with their best friend and one owns it and one's just, quote unquote, just an employee... Um, the, there's a power struggle there where it feels really off balance, even though you are peers. Right. And I think for us, we've found a situation where, um, where it actually just works. And, you know, there's no, there's no blueprint for how we did it. <laughs> it just happens to be the case where, you know, where it worked out really well. I think most times there would probably be that power struggle of, well, I'm I'm just your employee, or well, I own the company and you work for me. Like I think ego gets involved in that a lot. It's, it's so cringe for me to listen to that. I know Jesse's gonna be like, Ugh, this is so cringe to listen to, but um, we would never that language would never ever happen. Yeah. Um, I think that. But in most people's cases, it. it probably would most people's cases that would be it and I think that um the respect for the work that my friends do and the respect that they have back for me putting the faith in their work because that's I think where the energy exchanges is um you know Jesse creates something Cody creates something and I go I'm gonna put my life savings behind that because I trust you and I think that that energy exchange is what we've built everything on again I do not recommend I do not think that you're going to stumble onto people because let me tell you, let me tell you all the times this didn't work out where I hired an employee, um, or took on an intern to come and learn from me, which is why I don't do anything like that anymore. If you see people visiting, it's because I consider them family. Um, it's because I know and trust them. Um, but they, they kind of watch you, they shadow you, they glean all this information from you and then they run off and try to do it themselves and they get mad at you before they do it because it's easier to get mad at someone before you screw them over. Um, yeah. then, then not. And I mean, it, that's just what has happened is like, I'm going to watch how you do everything. I think I can do this myself. I'm going to take this on. And, and what's funny is, you know, we always say that it always comes out in the wash. And if you look back over those situations, if you followed me for a long time, they fell really flat because there wasn't like genuine intention there of like actually wanting to do good things and pour into people and add value and all of those things. Um, so yeah, there's been people that come in and be like, I put in a lot of work here and I'm going to go do this myself and rip you off. That can happen more often than not. I would say it's a 99.9% chance that that's going to happen. If you bring somebody in, if you cannot afford someone, wait and do it yourself. Don't bring somebody in and have them donate a bunch of time because they are going to want to get that value back sometime. And it may be, after they 
take your process and then do it in their own business and it really really hurts your feelings um i think that is a wrap on this podcast because we've gone 20 minutes so do you have anything that you'd like to add on stuff and things or another question no i think we'll probably save it for future podcasts we don't want to get you know i think it eventually becomes information overload so i think take the information we just gave you digest it think about it how that works with your own business or whatever you have going on um and we'll we'll do more of these where we we delve into different topics and we're trying to stay where it's more specific questions about about established businesses rather than um very broad questions about oh you know how should i how should i take my money and invest it what company should i start those things are 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 way too beginner um for most people to even talk about because if you're not at that point you're not ready to get into business anyways or you're not ready to invest your money um so yeah i think less uh fire hose to the mouth and we'll we'll break down kind of very specific things each podcast and i think that everyone can appreciate i don't care how small the audience is that listens to these podcasts i would i think it's what really blows our skirt up is the really specific hard-hitting heavy-duty business questions i think another very popular question but this would take up this could take up an entire podcast for the rest of the podcast life but it is about social media strategy and budgeting and getting started with ads um that is something that alex does consulting for um, for companies, you can hit him up via email or on social media about that. Um, but I think our next episode, we should dive into some of that, which is not my forte. Um, social is social is my forte for sure. Um, but a- another thing I think is really funny is everyone's like, "You're a marketing genius," and it's like, "Am, am I?" Like, I don't, I don't think so. I find Alex to be a marketing genius. I think that when you genuinely want to add value to your audience, that things just come to you very quickly and easily um so we will get into all that in the next episode did you have fun yeah did you yeah i had a lot of fun all right you guys make sure to subscribe let us know how you like it share this podcast we'll see you next time